This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Make room in your heart for all of you, the loving, kind, doubting, fearful you, the angry, caring, silly you, the messy, daring, relaxed you, the brave, sad, adorable you. Make room in your heart for all of you, the forgiving, wise, impatient you, Make room in your heart for you, all of you. Susan Lax. Valeria Tellas interviews Susan Lax, the author of A Heart's Landscape, An Invitation to the Garden of Moments. Susan, like each of you, has a story. The chapters of her story continue to add pages, presenting an ever-growing passion for sharing the healing gifts of awareness. Susan offers spiritual coaching and care for many, including those touched by illness and loving someone through death. She leads workshops and guided meditation sessions. In 2010, she began writing Morning Inspiration, an email for your soul. In addition, Susan is a certified Reiki practitioner. The co-owner of Neot Footwear, Susan spends her moments between New York and Tel Aviv together with her partner in life and love. They share the joy of three daughters and five grandchildren. Meet Susan at SusanPLax.com. Here's the interview with Susan Lax. In your own words, who is Susan Lex? Uh, I'm part of the wonderful world of human spirits. How did you uncover that truth? I think living life with awareness and with an attentive heart is really what allowed me, Valeria, to realize that it is the connections between the human spirits that make life the experience it is for the good and for the bad, but it is the connections between human spirits. And I think that when I define myself as being part of the human spirit of the world of human spirits, it is because my story is unique to me. There's no other person like me in the world. And just like there's no other person like you and no two stories are the same and no two spirits are the same. And the question that comes to mind is how to describe what it feels like when we are connected and inspired by the spirit world. 
So I, I believe every human being is spiritual. Yeah. Because there is a spirit within all of us. So that doesn't make one person more spiritual than the other. It just means that someone perhaps tapped in deeper to their spirituality. Right. So I think that all people that um, are given an invitation or are in one way or another to tap into this spirituality um, become inspired. Mm. It's, it's quite simple mm. in, um, in that sense. And I think that it is um, that one little moment, Valeria, of awareness, yeah. that yeah. Uh, just one moment mm. that allows us to then create many, many moments after mm. that of inspiration, because it doesn't really take that much to be inspired. Mm. I right. I asked one of my clients, I said to them, when was the last time that you looked in the mirror and said, I'm so inspired by myself? I love that. Is that a practice? Which, which part? Of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all of it. Uh, becoming aware. Yeah, because that makes so much sense to me. Because it is even a split moment of awareness can change everything. It uh, is. It, it is a practice in the sense of, all of us at some point in our lives go through some kind of trauma. And there's no trauma that is bigger or smaller because trauma is trauma. And to that same spirit and soul that is going through it, it's earthquaking, right? Whatever it is, even if it's a short trauma. And I think when we go through these traumas that somehow are on our paths, we have choices, Right. And many times those choices, we're unable to get to them because we don't have the tools. And so one of the tools that I offer people that that I work with that are either touched by cancer or illness or sometimes just a, a life experience that has hardened their heart for whatever reason is a practice of awareness, is a practice of saying, well, take one moment. That's 60 seconds, then less than most people should be brushing their teeth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yes. <laughs> is, is really just to either sit in stillness or to look with an attentive eye, which is belongs to your attentive heart. It's just a tool that your heart uses to see better. And it is, wow. And all of a sudden, when you start doing that as a routine, it becomes part of you. It's not something that disappears. And I've been doing this for years and years and years. And it and it is something that enabled me to to really be extremely, extremely grateful. It's meditation something that helps when it comes to becoming aware of what it's already here. So the way I look at meditation and the way I practice meditation is, you know, when we wake up in the morning, one of the first things that most people do is they go to the bathroom and they brush their teeth and they wash their face. So meditation is a way that the soul wakes up. It's not a way that, that we sometimes people say to me, yes, but if you meditate, you can fall asleep. 
meditate, you're just allowing your soul and yourself to be with nothing else there. And that's really when it's most awake. When it had does not have all these other distractions. But meditation for some people can be, I hear from them, they say to me, Susan, I don't have time. It's too hard. Meditation, there's not right or wrong. There's no challenge of meditation. There's no, there's no meditation. If it's for one minute, if it's for 30 seconds, meditations again is a path of awareness. We're allowing us to be just to be. Just the thought of it. <laughs> it's interesting. It makes me breathe deeper. It's uh, that space to just be. The being and the doing, can we find a balance between them? Even when we are doing something, can we still be? So I'm going to share with you. I think when I share with you my thoughts about balance, I think that word is used way too much in today's world because that then often puts the path in front of someone i'm not balancing so i'm not succeeding and then i'm falling over on one side and i think balancing is for a bicycle right (laughs) balancing and if you think on a bicycle if you don't balance you fall over and i don't want to think that we go through our moments trying not to fall all the time. I want to think that we go through our moments because they're here, <laughs> because they're a gift, because, because without them, we wouldn't be experiencing. So I try to be careful with that word balance and saying, and instead I really believe that, that doing and being a part of who we are, Right. It's part of, of, of how we maneuver ourselves here. And so, but when we lose the sense of being and only do the doing, we lose senses. That's exactly it. We lose senses. We feel less. We see less. We hear less. We taste less. We love less. And so that's really how I look at that. It's not about, it shouldn't be equal. It is what it is. And sometimes we, we are doing more than we are being because, because this is the life we are in. And sometimes we are being more than we are doing. But it doesn't have to be equal because then we could trip and fall. It makes me think about unconditional love, isn't it? Being present to what is present here now. And even Correct. if it is the doing of the being more or less, it doesn't matter. It's just being present to whatever comes. So you mentioned unconditional love. And, you know, I think that love should never be hard. <laughs> when loving yourself hard, and I talk about ourselves, right? Then we have to mend that. We have to make it so it's not hard because then we can be present. And being present doesn't mean that every second, you know, oh my, I, I look at that, look at that, look at that. Being present is just giving yourself those moments during our days that allow for an attentive heart. 
And once we allow ourselves that attentive heart, Valeria, wow. <laughs> then we are, wow, that's really what it is. Then that unconditional love has doors to go through. It has paths to reach our heart. Uh, yeah, I do understand. And I love how you talk about balance and not trying to live a balanced life <laughs> because the trying it already gets in the way of mm -hmm. being free. So mm -hmm. the question is, what is freedom to you? Uh, what is freedom? What a beautiful question. So what is freedom? I think freedom is just being me. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, a trillion times to that. Freedom is just yeah. being me, is freedom to allow love to flow through me. Freedom is allowing me to listen to what the passions of my heart are. Freedom are is letting myself breathe um, because that's what I want to do at that moment and not because... I'm doing it to survive. That's freedom. Uh, yes, a trillion times. <laughs> I could say even more. I, could, I would say now more yeses to that, infinite yeses to that, uh, to that freedom that you speak of. And another question I have is uh, your idea of spirituality. Mm -hmm. How do you define spirituality these days? Spirituality is awakening of your spirit. That's all. It's really quite simple. I think spirituality is, is something that allows our spirit to dance. You know, um, Valeria, I, I share with my clients and my patients and, and in my writings, if you've read my book, I talk about dance. You know, I, I actually, my father was Cuban, so I, I have that dance in me physically. But I, I really believe that when you can dance around the room just because that's awakening your spirit and that's your spirituality coming to its fruition. Oh, yeah, you were about to say something, Susan. So I, I, I do believe that sometimes there are things that are deeper within us that our spirit allows us to get to, right? And so when we open our heart and, and ourselves and say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to bring that, that knowledge into my heart. You know, I'm willing to bring those feelings into my heart. I'm willing to feel, to feel that, you know, um, that's spirituality. That's not taking everything for granted. Right. The dance, yeah. I use that word a lot too. Instead of balance, I use the word dance, dancing with life, with whatever comes our way. And with that in mind, the question that comes to mind is how do we learn to dance with uncomfortable feelings and emotions and negativity and all that that is part of life as well? Yes. So <laughs> it's as if you knew what I was doing on Monday. <laughs> ah, 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 yes. So actually on Monday, yeah. I, I'm going to be holding a, uh, a live on Facebook about how to unlock a moment of joy each day. And how do you tap into joy amongst the most challenging of times? So joy 
is an emotion. It's not something we can search for. It's not something that we can look for. Just like it's it's one of our emotions. It lives within us. It's there all the time. And we just have to learn how to tap into it. And as I told you before, there is that toolbox, right? So each of us have different things when those challenging or dark or grief or loss or pain appear. We learn to have a, or to build a toolbox. And in that toolbox are the tools that are unique to each one of us that can help us just one moment of joy, Valeria, just one. And there, there's always room for one moment. There's always one moment of joy that can find a place in your day. And in the most darkest of challenging times, if we have that toolbox and we know, okay, I'm going to look in my toolbox or I'm going to know what's in there and that's what I'm going to use to just get one moment of joy because one Mm. moment of joy is contagious. Mm. And it can get us through the next five moments of challenge. What a beautiful practice to engage in. Thank you so much again, Susan, for doing what you do. I would love to uh, talk a little bit more about joy. I use that word too. It came to me through inspiration. And I often kind of think about happiness differently. Do you have a different idea or different ideas when it comes to joy and happiness? Or Hmm. are they the same? Love, love, love that question. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. Um, So I think joy is an emotion. I think it's something that lives within us. And I believe that it is the way and happiness lives within us as well. And they're they're both within us. We we can't go and find them outside. You know, there, there are some people that say, I've been searching for joy. And I'll say to them, okay, let's sit down for a second. <laughs> I'll tell you where yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. But uh, happiness uh, is many times the way it is um, manifested, the way that emotion is manifested. And I think for me, that's probably the difference. It's because joy lives there and happiness is something that will let the joy come out. It will allow the joy to expand. And when we have joy, it doesn't always mean that the happiness will be out there. And when we have happiness, it doesn't always mean that we'll be in a joyful moment. And I find that happiness is something, joy is for me is a little bit deeper. It's something that that takes a little more work. (laughs) I absolutely agree. There's something about the idea of joy that implies to me that it's, um, like you said, it's already there and it has no reason to be even. It's like I can be joyful right now with no reason at all. Right. <laughs> it's almost like this, being aware that, that something's happening, that I'm here and listening to you. This is already fulfillment. This is already like um, an amazing opportunity to land in joy, in the territory, in the planet joy. It really kind of comes to me that way. And when it comes to happiness, 
I wonder if you make the same association I do at this level. There's something to do with pleasure, like the physical senses, like uh, food and, and sex and being touched and hugged. How does pleasure fit into joy and happiness? I guess that's the question I want to ask. Right. So there, there's three different things. You brought in pleasure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So again, I think pleasure is another way that joy manifests. It's a way, you know, it's when someone asked me, Susan, how do you, in an interview I did this week, how do you feel joy? How do you feel it? And I said, wow. And I sang. Ah, I just sang. Wow. Because joy does not, necessarily have words and pleasure pleasure if someone says where did you feel that pleasure how was that pleasurable to you most likely not always we'll be able to explain that in words joy i don't feel always has a wave of words that for me is, is probably a big difference yeah I love that, that you start to sing. <laughs> Show me joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I don't that have idea. a good voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, Susan, that sounds wonderful. It doesn't need, yeah, you're right, it doesn't need, right? It just is. No, it just is. Joy is just there. It's up to us, though. It's really up to us to tap into it, right? Yeah, to invite it, to yeah, be expressed, to right? To tap it in, even if we don't make it vocal it's just for us it's just for us i i can walk down the street and all of a sudden smile you know just because and that's a practice you know talking about routines and practices that i work with people and i give them an assignment once every hour smile for 30 seconds yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's an alarm clock for the joy so you wrote the book, A Heart's Landscape, An Invitation to the Garden of Moments. Talk to me for a moment about the main inspiration, how you became inspired to write this book, and also the intention behind the work. So 13 years ago, a dear friend of mine was touched by cancer. And um, at the time, it was a spiritual I still am a, a spiritual counselor, and I mainly worked with women who had um, mastectomies and pre or post or other issues with cancer. And um, this friend of mine did not want anyone to reach out via cancer to her. And so she asked to be left alone. And I, she's a dear friend. She is a dear friend of mine. Um, I um, missed her. So I started writing an email and I wrote to her an email and said, I'm going to be sending you these emails. And I would get up at six in the morning to write them because I knew she was an early riser and I knew she was going for treatments around 6.30. And I said to her, if you don't want to receive them, just write back to me and say, Susan, stop writing them. Or if you don't want to respond, you don't have to respond, but I'm going to keep writing them. And I, in those, my intent when I started writing the morning inspiration was that my friend Stephanie would not identify as cancer, that she would still remember or still know that she was Stephanie. Cancer touched her life, but she was still Stephanie. And 
that as we talked before, even in the most darkest of moments, a moment of joy can awaken that joy in us that is, is kind of really having a hard time right now. And so I would just write about things that were happening and never mention cancer or illness or and after about seven months, I um, came down with the flu and I didn't get up to write to her. And at 7.30, the phone rang and I knew her voice. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, where is my morning blessing? <laughs> yeah. oh, and wow. so I continued to write them. And in the meanwhile, I told the story to all these women that I were working. I did a lot of workshops and I said to them and they said, whoa, we would like to be part of this. Can you please send it to us? So Morning Inspiration was born, and I started by word of mouth. I never, ever marketed it. I don't even know how it happened. It just expanded around the world. And people would say to me, why don't you put these in a book? And my intent always was that this, the Morning Inspiration is about reaching a person that needs it. And most of the people that receive Morning Inspiration, I've never met, the majority of them. And so, you know, and I don't know, and some people read it once a month and some people read it three times a week and some people read it once every half a year. And no, this is not for me. That's theirs. And so during COVID, I was on lockdown. Uh, <laughs> an opportunity. And I said, yeah. this is the moment. This is the moment. And I, out of 3,624 morning inspirations, I narrowed them down to about 135, I think. So it was a process of seeing how I evolved, how my writing evolved, how my audience evolved. It's no longer just people that are touched by cancer. Now it's anybody and everybody. And it's male and female and everything in between. And it's, um, yeah, and it is... Um, And my intent is that it finds that little corner in the world where that person is sitting that needs a moment to lift their spirit. That was my intent. And that was all I hope and I hoped that this book will do. It's very challenging for most of us to even know what to say when somebody's going through difficult moments, uh, especially when it has to do with death. Mm-hmm. Do we have to use words to express that um, or to try to make people feel better? Or can our presence be that comfort that they need? I Sometimes I wonder because I love to talk and sometimes I talk too much <laughs> around some people right. around me who are going through a lot of challenges. Going back to the dance, that idea of dancing, how do we balance words and presence So, um, very good question. I get asked that a lot. And I think our job, if we are being with someone who is grieving or going through something really hard, is not to make it better. We can't make it better. We can't. But we can show up for them. And so there are two things that I would suggest is I write in there, just be with her. That's one of my favorites. And in there, I say, just be there with her because it is in your hand that she will find the courage. It is not necessarily in the words, right? I I believe that. So sometimes just holding a hand or just sitting there 
and being there presently with the intention of an attentive heart of good, of compassion, and of love. And then I usually will say to that person, how can I show up for you? How can I show up for you? It's not telling them what should be, what they should do. You can, one should not tell mm. someone else what to do with their grief. Right. That's <laughs> true. And, and no grief is the same. And therefore, I'm not a strong believer in the five stages of grief. Because then people feel there. People have said, but I'm not feeling it. Am I not dealing with grief okay? No. You are where you are. And um, so how can I show up for you is really, and most of the time, people will either tell you or they'll just say by being here. And that's it. And if we can release the, the job that perhaps sometimes we feel we have to make it better, we will be freer and we will free them from feeling that they have to make us feel like they made us, that we made them feel better. I know from my own experience that some people, especially men for some reason, they are not so good at expressing themselves and asking for help or having women or anybody supporting them. So I wonder if we can show up spontaneously without asking the question, but kind of coming to visit and bring something that they used to like or they still like. Is that something that you suggest as well or... Every person and every spirit, like we said, is individual, right? And if we feel that we want to go visit someone, you know, in the Jewish tradition, we sit for a week um, when someone passes to the next world. Um, we call it Shiva, which we sit for seven days, right? And in the house, people, that's, people don't have to ask. They just come. They just are. And I, that's one of the Jewish traditions that... I think it's so helpful. <laughs> yeah. So helpful uh, <laughs> because, you know, people just don't always know what to do with it. And so I think, you know, number one, it, one, the worst thing that can happen when you ask someone, can I come over, is they can say no. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you think about it. Right. That's like the worst. Yep. Yep. You're a spiritual counselor and you lead workshops, guided meditations, of course, you offer spiritual care. Talk to me for a moment, Susan, how do you engage with your clients or audience online, offline, groups? Well, COVID has changed everything. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there is life, life, COVID life. Yes. Um, so, pre-COVID, um, clients I would work with either like you, like Skype, around the world, but not through Skype necessarily. Or I will go to people's homes or I will go to hospitals. Mm-hmm. That is um, just, if, if that is a situation that I'm able to help in. And then I also have people that come to me just to talk, uh, clients. And I also, workshops, I lead them on the various subjects. Um, and pre-COVID, I was doing workshops. <laughs> um, but now everything is Zoom and um, I love doing that. I love interacting with people and spirits and 
hearing them just like I'm enjoying interacting with you now and learning from your story. And I put that in my heart's book. You know, I have a book of stories, right? Book of people. And so I, I believe that that's what makes this world so great um, is our stories. And yep, that's how basically I work with people is on Zoom these days more than ever. But um, on this book tour, I will be going different places. So it's going to be interesting. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's a beautiful invitation for an adventure, a heart adventure. I love the title of your book. And of course, I love the messages there too. And there are so many of them that caught my attention. I would love to kind of read some of them. We talked earlier about joy and how it, it's already there. It has no reason to be. In your book, you say, there's a phrase where you say, Practice a smile for no reason and with no expectation. Yeah. That's a powerful message. When I saw I came across it, it just stopped me. Mm. And then you say, the gift of the moment will keep on giving. Mm-hmm. They are just random. I just uh, got my eyes went right there. And you say, sometimes we wait for the best moment, but every day, they are best moments. Correct. So true. It's kind of waiting to be happy, right? Some of us wait for something to happen. <laughs> so right, right. But it's right. It's here. Happiness yeah. is here. It's not there. Yeah. Right. Everything is here. Everything, Everything is, is here. here. Right, Susan. Right. Everything. And um, yes, yes. And I think that, you know, moments in every moment, there's always the possibility in every day, there's always a moment that good will show up. I mean, this is so true. It's everything is here. So it is becoming aware enough to see the options, to see what's already here. It was never hidden in the first place. It's just kind of, it isn't in a way expanding our view, isn't it? So we can see more of what's already here. Totally. Like going out to your backyard or out to your street and you've lived there for 20 years and then all of a sudden noticing something and going, wow, yeah. wow, how did I never see this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it interesting? So, and I wonder why this is almost like an automatic, that narrow view of life it seems to be almost the um, operating system. Is that because of programming, conditionings? It's called automatic pilot. Yeah, right. Yeah, That's what it is. We get on automatic pilot. And then when you're on automatic pilot, you don't have to stop, right? And so pausing, pausing allows us to be aware and be in an attentive moment and then allow ourselves to have an attentive heart. But when you're on automatic pilot, you don't pause. Right. So the pause is there so important. And we see that in breathing, right? Breathing. There's a pause. There's, I think, the heartbeat, too. The way it beats, there's a pause there. So it's interesting how it's built in, that pause. It's here, too. But we don't. Totally. Mm. Totally. And one of the first things I do when I start any kind of workshop or start working with anybody, I ask them to take their hand and maybe you'll do it while while you're here with me. Take your hand and put it on your heart and close your eyes for a second and just take a new breath 
and then you feel your heart beating, that beat is the miracle of you. There are so many messages in your book, way too many. Let me see, there's another one. Oh, yeah, you're saying one that has to do with what we're talking now. You say, invite a new heart view into your moment. It is amazing what the heart can see with a new pair of glasses. <laughs> that made me laugh, actually. <laughs> like, oh, Dude, I'm glad. I was like, <laughs> I was visualizing the heart wearing glasses, oh, like funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was playful. <laughs> yes, it's yes. It's cute and so true. And then you say, courage has offered me the ability to reveal my shortcomings, to embrace vulnerability. That's another Powerful message. Yeah, we are a lot of times afraid to be open and to be vulnerable, but that has so much power in it. To me, it's the most, one of the most powerful expressions in the human experience, within the human experience, being open. When we're vulnerable, when we're vulnerable, Valeria, we can feel. Mm, yes, right, right. That's correct. <laughs> We can feel uh, so much more and deeper, right, Susan? Yeah. You say, make room in your heart for all of you, the loving, kind, doubting, fearful you, the angry, caring, silly you, the messy, daring, relaxed you, the brave, sad, adorable you. Make room in your heart for all of you, the forgiving, wise, impatient you, Make room in your heart for you, all of you. That's actually the title of this episode. <laughs> That's how much I loved that one. <laughs> yeah, because it's true. We need to do that. Make room in our hearts for ourselves and everything that is in here. And that's the expression of who we are or what we have become. And a lot of times we are kind of doing quite the opposite, right? We are trying to make room for everything else but ourselves. Right. And and also acceptance, right? It's accepting that this is me, all of me. You know, it's the whole package. I sometimes will tell um, couples when they decide to, to get married, you know, you, I said, you're marrying the whole package. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. You're not just marrying that. <laughs> that woman who's who's, uh-huh. who's beautiful then or that man that's handsome then or that woman that's laughing then or that man that's... You're marrying the person and the whole package that goes with it. So we are an entire package, but we need to love all of that package mm. that is because that's what makes us who we are. And then you say, true, honest laughter brings a moment of healing. A hundred percent, over and over again, over and over again. I have five grandchildren. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, That's five um, reasons to truly laugh. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's like the best. But that laughter that comes with no judgment, that comes with uh, no, what is someone going to think of me laughing? It is that belly laugh that just comes out because your your whole soul is laughing. Your entire soul is laughing. And I can tell you that I know that, you know, when I was sitting Shiva, like I told you before, for my mother, when she passed, I remember sitting there and with my siblings. And at one point, the house was empty and we just sat there laughing 
And it was, it was a dose of, of healing energy. And so I really, you know, I think laughter there is probably one of the best doses of healing that I know. Yes, me too, Susan. And that goes together with being playful. You say that in your book too, I mean, more than one time, there's a passage where you say, when play for you calls, listen, stay with it, enjoy it, reconnect with it. I think you were speaking in this, if I can remember, was about walking around and touching everything around you. Like some people don't like to get their shoes covered with leaves, with grass, like with nature. That's interesting. I have seen that with my husband too, that he, when we go to the beach, he refuses to go in the sand because doesn't want to get his uh, body dirty. And I was wondering, like, how can you get dirty being in the sand? It's just the most amazing thing. Right. So yes, that's interesting, right? Like we have lost the way when it comes to being playful. We have become too serious, most of us humans. Well, I see it. I think that we're just just moments of seriousness. And all we have to do is just uh, allow that playfulness to enter once and we'll remember the feeling, how good it feels. <laughs> so we're almost at the end. It has been a lovely conversation. The heart is open <laughs> with all these amazing messages and feelings here now. So I have the ending questions for you, but before I ask them, would you like to add anything else or read a passage in your book? I would love to read a passage from my book. I, you know, I, I always find it such a privilege to be able to do that. And I, I think one of the things that I love is that I have stories and proses and poetry, and then I just have some sentences, or I like to say, just and so what I wanted to share with you today was something that I thought would be appropriate for where we are right now in this realm in the world. Be patient with yourself. Seeds don't grow or blossom in a day. Growth and change are a process. Each stage is of great importance. Each stage counts. Just as each seasonal cycle brings about change and growth to nature, the cycles and seasons within our soul bring about change and growth to our being. Be patient with yourself. Nourish the seeds in your soul. Trust your process of growth. Be patient with yourself. That's beautiful. Yeah, I remember this one too. Susan, thank you again for what you do, for being you, really. That's what it is. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I wish to you and to all those that will listen to this, that they come to experience one happy moment that will evoke the joy that lives within them. Mm, yes. A trillion times to that. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? I have a website, susanplax.com, and you can sign up there to receive morning inspiration. Um, and you can see there where you can purchase the book, or if you just want to learn about me, or just to contact me. I'm always happy to hear from people. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, Susan, and we'll talk soon. 
Have a happy day. You bye too. Bye. bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Susan Lax and her work, please visit susanplax.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.